up, family? It's your boy Clifton Brantley, and I'm back with another episode. Mastering Love and Life. I believe this is going to be a good episode for you. Hopefully, you will be able to get some wisdom and understanding from what I what I share with you today. And it'll help you do love and life better. Right? It'll help you do love and life better. Uh, let me first, before I even get into what I want to talk about today, let me apologize for the delay. Uh, it's been, I, I didn't look at the calendar, but I know it's been a while since I've created a new episode. Um, and I could say that I've been busy because I have, but truthfully, that's not really an excuse. I've had time. I just kind of put it on the back burner and I apologize for that because I want to make sure that I'm giving you content that you can use, you know, especially for free content that you can use to help you do love and life better, to have better marriages, um, better relationships, better, better relationships with your children even. Right. And just so that you can do life better, a better you. And so I want to apologize for that. So last night I was in the garage and I was um, thinking about this story in the book of Daniel. Now, if you grew up in church like me, you probably heard this story before. It's a story about the the three Hebrew boys, right? And uh, their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So in the book of Daniel, in the third chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar had built this, um, I think like a golden statue. And basically, whenever you hear the music play, you're supposed to bow down and worship the statue. Now, let me give you a little bit of background in case you don't know the story. So the, the, the Hebrew boys, who we call the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were Israelites. However, the, wait a minute, not the Hebrew Israelites. Like, um, they were real Israelites, Israelites in the Bible. Okay, so, so they were Israelites, but they were in a foreign land. Okay, the reason they were in a foreign land is because they had been taken captive. Right. God allowed the nation of Israel uh, to be overcome and conquered by other other countries, other entities, I'll say, because I don't know if it's countries or whatever, but other people. And the Babylonians were one of them. So King. So so these people are in these these Israelites are in Babylon. Right. And they're they're captive, but they're not like slaves. Right. They're not they're not they're not. They're actually there to serve the king. So anyway, so the king builds this 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 golden statue of himself. And when you hear the music, you're supposed to bow down. Well, the Hebrew boys, the Israelites, they're committed to the God of Israel. And they say, we cannot bow down to another God. Like God is a jealous God. We can't do that, right? So as the story goes, uh, the music played. They didn't bow. Someone went and told the king, somebody snitched, right? And actually, the people that snitched were the people who, they were trying to set them up anyway because they knew they wasn't going to bow. So they snitched, and then uh, the king was mad. king was angry. The king was like, what? I know they're not going to defy me. Bring them in here. So they they went and got them, and they stand in front of the king. And uh, the king is questioning them. He's like, hey, listen, uh, I heard Y'all think y'all too good to bow down to my 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 statue. Like I'm the king. I am to be worshiped. Right? We're not going for this. But watch this. Because I am a gracious king. 
because I'm a gracious king. I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down. So, so musicians, y'all get ready. Okay? Get, get the keyboards, get the drum, get everything ready. Because when this music play, if you don't bow, you will be immediately thrown into the fiery furnace. Like immediately. And when I do that, what God is going to be able to save you from my hands? See, Nebuchadnezzar really thought that he was God on earth, right? And and I like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they replied, right? So at this part I'm going to read to you. This is verse 16. It says this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If, right, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we won't make we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods nor worship the golden statue you have set up. Now. Like I can only imagine the scene in my mind, obviously, from what I read, but but talk about some 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 courage. Talk about um standing fearless in the face of the enemy. Like y'all are facing death, and y'all talking to the king like he's not the real king. Y'all talking to the king like God is the king. What does benefit in that? So let's keep going. So, so so this made Nebuchadnezzar extra mad he was so mad that he told them listen and he wasn't talking like i'm talking he was mad right i don't have a mad voice i guess i do but anyway uh heat up the heat up heat up the the furnace how many times hotter i think four times seven times hotter heat up the furnace seven times hotter than it normally is that that's what i want you to do but before i actually i, I want to make this point before i get to that like, can I, can I want to talk like for 60 seconds, 120 at the most, about commitment, right? Um, what the Hebrew boys show here is what commitment looks like. See, if we go back to what they said, sometimes you got to be committed even when it feels like or seems like your faith is failing. Like you're believing God for something and it doesn't come through. Are you going to stop believing? Are you going to are you going to now start trusting in yourself and your own wisdom, your own knowledge? Are you going to do things to get yourself out the situation because God didn't show up? See, you got you you can have faith, but you can't faith you can't have so much faith that you st- that you don't have to be committed. Right? You still have to be committed. Here's what the Hebrew boy said. When the king asked him, "Hey, um can your God deliver you, deliver you out of our hand? Here's what they said. The God we serve is able. Knowledge says that he's able. The knowledge that they have of God says that God is able to do this. Their faith said God will. Their faith said he will deliver us. Trust and believe he's going to deliver. That's faith. But their commitment, the commitment says, but watch this, even if he doesn't, 
We're not going to bow. Knowledge says he's able. Faith says he will. But commitment says if he doesn't, we still ain't bowing. So you got to kill us. So the king gets mad. Heats the fire up seven times hotter. Throws them in the fire. And it was so hot that the people that the king told to put them in the fire, they died from the fire. That's how hot it was. So the three Hebrew boys are in the fire. And then next thing you know, the king stands up and he says, wait a minute. Didn't we put three men in the fire? They said, sure, king, we, we put three. And then he looks, he says, well, I see four men walking around in the fire loose because we put them in bound. I see four men walking around loose. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. And so King goes, it says he gets as close to the fire as he can. This is interesting. Listen, listen to when, 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 when um, King Nebuchadnezzar notices that the Hebrew boys are in the fire and they notice that they're in there walking around unbound and with God. Listen how, listen, listen how Nebuchadnezzar addresses them. Verse 26, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came close to the closest he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Listen. How you handle situations sometimes will point to who you are in Christ. Like sometimes the way you go through situations, people will be able to say, you know what, they must be Christian. Or look at their faith, right? Uh, the king, before he put them in the fire, he was on this, y'all need to worship me. But when he saw what God did for the Hebrew boys, now he recognizes them as children of the most high God. And that's how he addresses them, right? See, you don't have to do a whole lot of talking when folk are, you know, folk are talking against you or, or plotting against you or doing what you don't have to do a whole lot of talking. Just trust God. Okay. Uh, they, they didn't, they did not disrespect the King. They, they took their punishment, but God showed up and prevented them from, from burning. But now I know that's a, a long, this is probably why I'm not a preacher on, on Sundays because my stuff probably be too long. All of that was just the, the, the lead up to what I <laughs> What I really want to share. Here's the part I really want to share. Uh, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officials, the high officers, officials, I'm sorry, the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed and their clothes was not even scorched. Watch this. They didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't even smell like smoke. There are some, so this is what I want to talk about. There are some situations in your life that you've been through that you can look back now and say, if it had not been for God, I wouldn't be here. You can say, the reason I'm here today is because there is no other explanation than the God of the universe did this. And see, sometimes in your life, we, we, we tend to forget what God has done. 
But but I want you to I want you to, you know, this episode, what I really want you to do is to pause and think about what God has brought you through. See, because you may be thinking that you just made it through it, like, you know, life just kept happening every day and all of a sudden you're here. No, it, it's no accident that you're still here. Right. And so uh, when you face a fiery furnace, you trust God. God has the ability when he brings you out that you, even, you don't even smell like smoke. You don't even look like you've been in a fire. Right. There's some things that you've been through in your life that if people knew they would be shocked and appalled. They'd be like, I. I cannot believe that Clifton went through that. I cannot believe that he used to be that kind of person. And so um, there are some things in life. There's no other explanation. There's no other explanation other than God did it. Um. There are some there are some situations in life, right, where you can't do anything. You need God to do it. But like, but like I say, sometimes while you're going through it, even when you're praying, even when you're having faith, you may not be as tuned in to the fact that God is moving on your behalf. Because a lot of times when God moves, it does not look like um, like like it doesn't look like magic, like in the movies. And it doesn't look like like a, a red sea and you know, a wall of water standing up on the side of you. Like a lot of times when God moves, it's not that dramatic. And so you have to have some kind of spiritual intelligence to recognize, oh, this is God. God is moving. Right. And so I want to talk to you guys about the times when you, you know, I, I want to talk about the fact that you, you don't smell like smoke. Why don't you smell like smoke? Because of the Lord Jesus. Now, you may not give him credit because I don't know what you believe and whatever. But if it had not been for God, not only would you smell like smoke, you'd be burnt up. I was talking to my wife uh, a few weeks ago, talked to my wife a few weeks ago. And um, well, first, I was just thinking about my life. You know, I think I'm going to change the name of my garage to the think the, the, the thinking place, because when I'm in the garage and doing my woodworking, I, I have all kind of thoughts. Sometimes God speaks, but sometimes I just, you know, just think about his goodness. And it, it. so anyway, it's one of those times I'm in the garage and I'm thinking. And um, I started thinking about my 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 childhood. And I've talked about my childhood before. Right. I've talked about my childhood and, you know, yeah, I've talked about that. So I'm thinking about my childhood. And I and, and I begin to think about where I am right now. And here's what I concluded. I concluded that the only explanation, the only explanation for Clifton Eugene Brantley to be where he is in his life, God had to do it. There's no other explanation. Let, let me let, okay. Let me let me let me break it down for you, okay. And I'm and I'm the reason I'm sharing this is because if you, if you if you do the work, you probably can find the same kind of hand of God, favor or whatever on your life if you look for it, okay. So 
I'm 51 today. Not today, like today's not my birthday, but I'm saying I'm 51. And um, I was born to a teenage mother. Okay. She was 17 when she had me. She grew up in a dysfunctional family. Right. She didn't have the love and support that she needed as a child growing up. So she has this child at 17. I also grew up in a neighborhood that, uh, I, so I don't know the statistics on, on who've made it out of the neighborhood, but I can tell you it's not the kind of place that you would think that would just produce quality people. And I know that sounds bad. I'm just, I'm just being real, right? But, and, and, and I know some quality people from there. I absolutely know some quality people from there, right? But anyway, I'm just saying, I'm from the hood. So I was born to a teenage mother who did, she had, she did not know who she was. Now this I can process in hindsight. See, I've matured to the place in my life where I understand life better. And because I do therapy work, I understand human behavior and how things work. So I know at 17, my mama did not know who she was. I know at 17, she was love deficient. So here she is with this little boy, love deficient. She marries my dad, uh, not my biological dad, but my dad that raised me. She marries him at two, when I'm two. And then, um, so I go through life. At the age of, I believe, seven, she takes me to church. Now, we, go, we end up going to church because a friend of hers who lived in our apartments invited us to church. And so we go to church, and that's when I fell in love with church. I'm reluctant to say I fell in love with God because I didn't know much about God, but I fell in love with church. I like going. Age of seven. Now, being born to a teenage mom and a father who was emotionally disconnected. Here I am at seven years old in church. Uh, fast forward, because I don't need to give you everything. Fast forward some years. Uh, as a matter of fact, I could just give you that part. So fast forward to the present. So currently, I am, number one, sane and in my right mind. Number two, I have a productive business. My business, had, and I know this is going to be simple for some of y'all. You're like, well, duh, that's what businesses do. But you don't understand where I'm from. So I've effectively run a business for the last nine or ten years. And that's been my only income. Like, I have not worked for another human being. That's crazy to me. I have a master's degree. That's crazy to me. I know some of you like master's degree. Tuh, that ain't nothing. I got two doctorates. Great. I'm just saying from where I'm from and how I was raised, master's degree. That's crazy to me. For Clifton to have a master's degree, that's crazy. Right. When I got when I got ready to graduate high school, uh, my mother was asking me, you know, did I want to go to Job Corps? I'm like, no, I want to go to college. Now, I didn't even know what college was, didn't know whatever, but I, I wanted to go to college and I did. I'm, I'm just I'm just showing you where I am and how I got here. And it's not just to tell you my story, but hopefully it's to inspire you. So I'm a pretty intelligent brother. Uh, I love God. So here are the questions I begin to ask myself when I was in the garage. Where did I get 
this passion for God from? Because it didn't come as an adult. I remember. So I remember I remember I remember when I was seven, I remember being in second grade in Mrs. Granger's class. And I remember learning that she was a Christian or I know what Christian was, but I know she 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 loved God because I think I saw something on her desk. And so at seven, I remember, you know, I raised my hand. I want to sing a song in class and I sung. um, I don't know what it was, but it was a, a, a church hymn song. And hindsight, well, I knew it at the time, too. But in hindsight, I did that. I was people pleasing. Right. I was trying to impress the teacher. Right. I was love deficient at home. But anyway, I'm making the point of how I've been rocking with God a long time. But I, I, I remember at the age of 15, I was I was at my home church. I want to say we was we was it was the Texas State Council. So when I was growing up, I grew up Pentecostal, grew up in the PAW. And we used to have this thing called the Texas State Council where churches from all over the state would come together. We have a convention. Right. And it's a different place. And I believe this year, this particular year when I was 15, it was at my home church in Houston. And, you know, there's a lot of young people. And so I used to be in church all the time because my friends were there. Right. Once I started going to church, she started taking me all the time Then I developed friends. Then I started going to church by myself. And when she wasn't going, I'm like, well, can I get a ride? Can I get the van? Like, you're not going to church. I want to go. Right. So all of my friends are at church. So at the age of 15, we've been friends for eight years, all the young people or whatever. And um, this particular night, uh, we was having night service. This particular night, Bishop Noel Jones was preaching. I don't know if he was a bishop then. Um, he may have been. But Noel Jones was preaching. This is when he he wasn't in California. He was still in Longview. Right. So he hadn't he hadn't blown up to be, you know, a celebrity preacher, so to speak. He was still in Longview. And I don't know what he was preaching. I don't know. But I do know that um, I was walking out of the church to go hang out outside while they're having service inside. I was going on my way to hang outside with the rest of the young people. But as I was going, I remember stopping in my tracks to listen to what he was saying from the pulpit. Now, I don't remember what he was saying, but I do know it was a powerful message because it stopped me in my tracks. Why do I bring that up? Because for me back then, at least I think, I think it's unusual for a 15 year old to be that way. But whether it is or not, why am I that way? My mama, my mama wasn't like. So my mama took me to church when I was seven. Beyond that, and I'm not, this is not throwing my mama under the bus or anything. I don't remember my mother ever talking to me about God, prayer, worship, anything, anything, church, anything, God. Okay. That, that never came up. So my desire to be at church was primarily for my friends when I was younger. But as I got older, I'm getting excited as I tell this. As I got older, living for God became the thing that I wanted to do. You feel me? Now, here's what the Bible tells me. If God don't call you, you can't come. Okay? If God don't call you, you can't come. But I'm going to come back to that. So, so that happened at 15. And so when I was in the garage, now back to the future, back to the present, I'm in the garage and I'm thinking, why am I so into God? Like all of my life, as far as I can remember, at least from the age of seven, all of my life, let me put it this way. 
I cannot think of a time when pleasing God was not the thing that I wanted to do. Now, having said that, trust and believe I've sinned a lot, right? (laughs) Been in church all my life, but I've been sinning all my life. Uh, But even when I was out there doing whatever I was doing, it wasn't because like I ain't fooling with that God stuff no more. I've always wanted to please God, even in my foolishness, always. And so I'm thinking, why? Like, it's not because we had Bible study at home. It's not because my father was so deep, right? The dysfunctional family that I grew up in, and again, that's not a slight on my parents. Most of y'all grew up in dysfunctional homes too, right? It's just kind of the norm. But, but where did I get this business mindset from? My parents didn't teach me nothing about business. They taught me nothing about money. Where did I get this drive from to be better than I am? I don't. Now, I'm going to say this, okay, because I don't know who listening. I don't know if any of my other family members are listening, right? But as far as I know, I'm just talking about me. They are not, well, I, I, could think, I, I can think of two cousins. I can think of two cousins. But they didn't grow up with me, actually. Outside of them, I cannot think of anybody in my family, close or extended, close is just me and my brother, nobody that has the mindset for personal development and uh, being the best that I can be like I do. Well, where I get it from, though? So here's what I told my wife when I was thinking about it. I said, the only explanation for me being here now in 2024, the only explanation for me being who I am, where I am, and have what I have, believe what I believe, been called to what I've been called to, committed to what I'm committed to. The only explanation is the Nazarene. There's no other explanation that can explain why I am who I am because it it wasn't because Clifton was so committed and focused on let me just I love God, let me just study his word and follow him. Nope. That wasn't that's that's not my story. So Not only did he call me, but he's protected me in all of my foolishness throughout life. Uh, There's a song by Commission that says, all the Lord's done for you. You telling me you don't have nothing to say? You can't tell it. Let me tell it. That's what I'm doing right now. So I'm kind of telling it, right? I said this. I think I said this was going to be kind of like a testimony, but hopefully it's going to be the kind of testimony that'll help you, right? So it's like, Um, there's no other explanation for how my life looks other than God. But here's the thing, because if you've been following me for a while, you can go back some episodes, especially like in 2023, probably 22. You can go back and you can hear me. As a matter of fact, I I think I did a recent episode within the last two months uh, about lamenting. And I was talking about my childhood, right? Or I think I was, but you can go back to some other uh, other episodes and you can see how uh, 
I've talked about the misfortune of my childhood. I've talked about how um, uh, unfair life has been. And why would God, like, why, why would you allow that? Right? I share that because you've done that too. Like, you've complained. Lord, why you let this happen to me? Lord, why you, why you, why you, why did you not rescue me from that? Why did you allow them to abuse me? Why did you allow them to molest me? Right? You've asked God, Lord, why did you, why did this happen? And if you're not careful, you can get stuck there. But here's the thing. If my parent, you know, if I, if, if, and I think I said this before, if I'm going to blame my parents, if the reason that, uh, so the reason I don't, I'm not a millionaire. If that's because my parents didn't teach me about money. And the reason that I don't live in the house, my dream house, is because my parents uh, didn't teach me how to run a business, right? And uh, I have still residue from childhood issues because uh, my parents, uh, I, like I've healed some of it because they were loving. If, that, if those things were true, then I wouldn't be able to say there's no other, there's no other explanation, but none of that's true. None of that's true. Right. And so the only explanation for me being who I am is God did it. And so I'm saying, uh, you know, we complain about what God has allowed, but we don't give God credit and praise for what he didn't allow. Because the reality is what I have deserved from God ain't nothing like what I've gotten. So y'all yeah, can complain, Lord, you could have told me about this. You could have warned me about that. You could have kept me from such and such. All the while, he just blocking stuff that I can't see. But now in hindsight, I say, how did I end up here? Because the way that I've run my life Based on my childhood, this ain't where I'm supposed to end up. I'm supposed to be on the corner. I'm supposed to be on drugs, right? I'm supposed to be somewhere else. I'm supposed to be a womanizer or in jail or an abuser. Like I'm, this, this ain't, this is not what I'm supposed to be, right? And so if I, if, 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 if I'm going to blame my parents for the way my, my life turned out on the negative side, like, y'all didn't do anything for me. If that's my story, on the other side, when I got all these blessings, y'all ain't do nothing for me. So then if they didn't do, like, if, if your dad didn't teach you about money, if your dad didn't teach you how to run a business, if your dad didn't teach you how to be a man, how, how you learn it? Where'd you get it from? Must have been God. There's no other explanation. And so what I want you to do is to go into your own imagination and begin to look back at what God has done in your life. Now, the enemy wants to bring up the pain. It's easy to bring up all the hurts you've had in your life. But I dare you to look at your life with an open mind and say, it didn't have to be that way. Like, I could have died right there. I got a limp. 
I could have died. Right? I escaped that completely. That could have been my life. So many things in your life could be different. No, it may not, it, it may not be the life that you want today. But the fact that you're still alive means that you still have a chance to create it. Something else I was thinking about uh, last night. So I was thinking about my marriage. And um, you've heard me say that 2022 was probably the most difficult year in my entire marriage. And um, now in hindsight, 23, uh, it, it didn't compare to 22. But but um, if I add up all of the, you know, if I was to add up all of the, I don't want to call it chaos, but all of the, let's just call them bad days. If I was to add up all of the bad days from 23, it probably would, it, it would equal out to about four or five months, right? It wasn't four or five months consistent, cons- consecutively where we were not good. But if we add it all up, it, it, it's, it's going to be about like that. And so here's what I was thinking uh, in the garage, in the thinking room. Me and my wife, first of all, are way better than we've ever been. Okay, we keep getting better. But we're not, in my opinion, nowhere near where we're going to be. Like we, we still have a lot to work out. Right? We're still kind of newlyweds. Like we've only been married for, what, this is our fourth year. We've been together seven years, but this is our fourth year married. And so uh, we still got a lot to work out. But here's what I realized last night, you know, doing marriage. So doing marriage work and then also doing marriage, I understand marriage in a way that most people don't. And so the difficulty and the dynamics of it, I get. But uh, as I'm thinking last night, I'm like, if me and my wife, and let me say it this way, how I said it last night, when me and my wife get to that level, when me and my wife get to that that level where I'm, ta- where I'm talking about, the only explanation is going to be God did it. Because, so 22 was the worst year of my marriage. 23, I know without a shadow of a doubt, in 23, I grew exponentially and I taught um, relational and marriage stuff more in 23 than I think I did in ever, period. Because I had the marriage master class. I taught every week. So out of 52 weeks, I taught at least 45. At least 45. Right? Uh, I think more, but at least 45 of those weeks, each week teaching, right? And so in, I'm teaching, but I'm growing. I'm reading. I got all these books over here. I'm reading and I'm growing and uh, nothing that I tried in 23 worked. Nothing that I said would move my wife. Now watch this, right? Uh, you may be saying, well, dang. So so how are you coaching other folk and stuff don't even work for you? Well, it's not the principles and the skills. That's what God says it is, right? Like I teach biblical principles on how to do uh, marriage and relationships. 
So it ain't the principles that that the information I was teaching is not the issue. The information is the right information. The problem is our childhood stuff that we hadn't resolved yet. That's causing us um, difficulty in walking out the skills we learn. But uh, so I'm thinking about it and I'm like, based on as, as smart as I am and what I know and what I've, what I've tried, like I've tried to talk to my wife gently. I've talked to her harsh. I've talked to her directly. I've talked to her indirectly. I've tried to send her videos. I've tried to send her um, emails. I've tried to send her text messages. Like I've done a whole lot to get through to my wife about some things, right? Now she's done a whole lot to get through to me on some things, but it's my story. I've done a whole lot to get through to my wife. None of it worked. So here's the thing. When we get to that level, there's absolutely no way at all I'd be able to take credit. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast because I said, you know what? I want to say this publicly now so when we get there, folk, folk will know. Now I was saying this before we got there because I don't want y'all thinking, you know, when I get to the the top of the marriage world, so to speak, whatever that is. I'm just now saying, you know, I'm just being, you know, false humility. Oh, you know, if it had not been for God. No, 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 no. No, this is real. There, there's no way at all I could take God's glory for this. Like the Hebrew boys in the fire. There's absolutely no way they can say, man, we made it through that. You didn't. God brought you through it. And in the same way, when me and my wife get to where we're going, only way the only way we're gonna get there we will have to say if it had not been for the lord jesus ain't no way we'd be here i've wanted to quit several times i know my wife has wanted to quit several times right um it's uh, if it had not been for god and so what i want you to do with this episode is i want you to to take it and I want you to really get, to get you get you some quiet time, some quiet time and sit down and just think about the goodness of God. Think about here's what I want you to do. I actually want you to think about how difficult your life has been. That's I want you to think about your problems. I know that's crazy. I know that's crazy. Why do you want them to think about their problems? Yeah, that ain't what you're supposed to do. I understand. But I want, so if you're going to follow my instructions, though, I want you to follow all of them. I want you to think about your problems, but then I want you to think about how, how have you made it through 100% of your bad days? 100, all of them, 100%. How did you do that? There's no way that Clifton Eugene Brantley is supposed to have a master's degree. There's no way I'm supposed to be the kind of influencer I am. There's no way. How am I teaching people how to be a man when I wasn't taught how to be a man? How am I teaching people about emotional intelligence when I wasn't emotionally intelligent when I was growing up? How did that happen? There's no other explanation other than Yeshua from Nazareth and his blood. And so I want you to be on that. I want you to be on that. Um, if it had not been, that's a, um, that's a, that's a, that's a song from, from, 
Fred Hammond back in the, I think that probably was in the 90s when, when uh, Persuaded came out. But he had this song on there called If It Had Not Been. And I just wanted to, you know, I, like I said, it's been a while. And I did I apologize on this episode because I've recorded this like a couple of times. And I actually may have forgot to apologize on this episode. Just in case I did, let me do it now because, you know, I'm not going to go back and edit it. Um, so I apologize to you guys for, you know, being so, so the gap being so large in between episodes. I'm going to do better with that. I'm ready to go for 24, right? So anyway, but, but I really want you to uh, examine yourself so that you can see God's hand because if you're like me, it's going to encourage you and it's going to inspire you. It's like, man, I've been through so much, but man, I've been through so much. Right. On the on the bad side, I've been through so much. But on the beautiful side, I've been through so much. It means I'm still alive. It means God can still do something with me. It means it. So one of the I'll tell you, one of the most. One of the most. uh, Precious. Valuable. I'm trying to think of, of of the right word. One of the most significant things to me personally. I don't even know if this is going to make sense, but one of the most significant things to me personally is uh, my desire for God. My desire for God is valuable to me for this reason, because I know without a shadow of a doubt, if he was not calling me, there would be no passion. So when I say, you know, uh, I value my passion for God. I'm saying I'm not I'm not putting myself on a pedestal saying, man, I'm so glad I'm a good Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying my desire, my desire for God is strong. Right. My discipline for serving him, that needs some work. <laughs> right. But my desire for God has always been strong and it's stronger than it has ever been. But the Bible tells me. The only way that can be is if he calls me. Why you call me? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Who is Clifton that you would visit him? Like, I I don't deserve to be called. The Bible is clear that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Right. When I was when when a brother read to me Romans nine, when I was struggling about my calling. Read Romans 9, it fixed everything because the Bible says that God chose Jacob over Esau before they had done anything right or wrong. And see, we like to think, well, God not going to use me because of my life. My life looks like this. He's not going to use me because I did that. But I've taught you before. You remember what he told Jeremiah? Before you were before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And called you. Wait a minute. Lord, you call me. Before I was born, so you called me to a work. Before I ever knew what the work was, before I had ever done anything right or wrong, right? You called me. I didn't come looking for you. You found me. I was lost, not you. I'm telling you, if it had not been for the Lord Jesus on my side, I don't know where I would be. And I want to encourage you as you walk into 2024, I want to encourage you to be the kind of person 
that keeps God's favor, blessings, and mercy at the forefront of your mind because they're gonna, there's going to come a time when the enemy is going to try to use your past to disrupt your future. But if you have a different perspective on your past, the enemy can't use it. When you look at your past, if you look at your past with a God lens, the enemy can't use that against you. Because when you look at your past with a God lens, all it's going to do is cause you to worship and praise. So that is my hope and my desire for you. I hope this was helpful for you, man. I hope this bless you. I hope this will make you look in the mirror and say, Lord, if it had not been for you, I don't know where I would be. And it would increase your your life performance. When I say performance, I don't mean inauthenticity. I'm talking about the way you do life. Because here's what Jesus said. And I'm going to leave you with this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Y'all take care. Thank you.